Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. But same applies to any professionals who may appear on the What's up, everybody? Welcome to Light the Fight, and I'm David. I'm Heidi. And if you're new to the podcast, let me give you a little heads up, first of all. You're going to get some bantering for about the next five to ten minutes. Get one ad, one shout out to a company that helps us out. And we're going to start talking about some stuff, relationship stuff, stuff that family's got to deal with, stuff that mom's got to deal with, some stuff that dads have to work through, and stuff that teenagers and kids also have to go through in life as well. And that's what Light the Fight is. And thanks for joining us here. And uh, like I said, I'm David. I'm I'm the therapist guy. Heidi, she's the the correspondent for all the moms out there exploring all the different I options thought, that I you thought have you as were, moms. I thought you were going to say she's the freaker outer, but I'm just getting so much better. And well, not I, I didn't out. say that. I know. I didn't but say that's, that. But when you said I'm the therapist, I thought, and I'm the freaker outer. But I, you guys, I'm doing better. Well, and that's why that's why we believe in <laughs> expired expiration dates. So expiration dates. So yes, you used to be the the freaker outer that's expired. Now we can finally put to rest the stab the ball story. <laughs> and I don't, if you I are don't know. a it's, new listener, you are a new listener. Go back and listen to stab the balls, <laughs> and you'll know why I'm scared of Heidi. Anyways, back to the podcast. <laughs> that's why I have to stand my good side. Yeah, exactly. But you've turned a corner, Heidi. I, well, I mean, it's a, some days it kind of feels like a track, (laughs) but, but I'm, but I, I've had some good experience not freaking out. Well, in your defense, the fear always precedes the freaking out. There's always some sort of fear going on. You're scared. Like, what if this happens? What if that happens? Or it does happen. And then, see, I knew it was going to happen. I'm valid. I'm valid in my fears. So yeah, there's always some sort of fear, but I think it goes without saying. You're scared of a whole lot less. There's less things to be fearful. You've worked through so many things that now we're getting, you know, Heidi 4.0. That's right. We we really are. And I say 4.0 because it's been four years, yeah. obviously, since your son has passed. Yeah. So. And, you know, I mean, in past, I don't know, you know, if you're if you're a longtime listener, if you've been listening, um, you know that as we start going into the holidays, I start freaking out. Like, I, I emotionally start... Um, to decline pretty Well, isn't that about rapidly. when people are expecting your house to look really great in all your pictures on social media? So you got to keep you know, that clean, which lot, is enough to freak out about when you got kids. a lot of expectations. Okay. But, I mean, as we're talking right now, we're just two days away from Thanksgiving. And, and if you're watching this on YouTube, I got my puffer jacket <laughs> on. The, it's totally warm in here. I just... Just want to keep it on. Just feel, you know. My San because, Diego bones are not doing good in this Utah weather. You know, all I'm going to say to you is eat some donuts. I know. I because I you're just, you're up. a little too, yeah, you're a little too skinny. Up. That's the problem. <laughs> um, but in, when you lose, when you lose somebody in your life or um, have any death of a relationship, the holidays are just the perfect time to bristle 
everything. And um, there's been something going a lot going around the the Insta world, the interwebs, um, called the decade challenge. Now I don't know why. Like you'd think it'd be more of a like 2010, 2020. Like 20 it sounds a little more more better. I mean, is that the challenge where people try to find the best picture of themselves from 10 years ago and compare it to the best picture of yes. themselves from today? Yes, you know okay. how this works. <laughs> Okay. Oh, this is an FBI thing. Okay. okay. That was very so, smart to have the FBI plan this whole entire. So I had to get on the bandwagon because I'm a bandwagoner for sure, you know. So I go and um, I actually dipped into Facebook and found this photo. And of course, 10 years ago, I have this smiley little family. um, Like little kids that are just adorable cute just yeah when those kids leave their wet towels out it doesn't matter it's, it's not it's as cute. bad you yeah. expect it yeah they say, sorry it's just, mommy love it's you. so it's i mean if if you haven't seen this you follow me on instagram go and just look at that picture of connor because it is just oh, just he there find me a cuter kid like not gonna happen just, right? just a big just a little cute little nugget so cute and just going and looking at those photos I was like, okay, you know, and then posting it with my photo now. And um, I am just, you know, so, and then you got the holidays and you start to, to long and, and wish. And, and here's the thing I, I have been working really hard and just a little shout out for gratitude. I've been just working really hard, focusing on the, on the things that I'm thankful for, mm -hmm. which was like, I think what you're supposed to do for Thanksgiving rather than being mad, which if you're mad about what's not there, it's okay. You can, you be mad. It's okay. Cause I have been mad. And, and you know what, on Thanksgiving day, I'm going to tell you that Corey is the one that was the eating. Yeah. He was the eater. No one else even likes Turkey. Like none of my kids. I mean, you can occasionally get them to eat rolls. <laughs> I remember when Colton and Corey discovered how good rolls were dipped in gravy. Like that was a real turning point for everyone. <laughs> but now uh, Thanksgiving, we talk about missing Corey, be there to, to do the cleanup crew, you know? Yeah. And, and um, so the, the evolution, the ability to talk about it, the, um, the growth, I, I'm just, I'm thankful and I think I attribute this, this podcast has given me vocabulary. It's given me opportunity. It's given me experience because when we pretend it's not there or we push it down or we don't deal with it, it, it just gets bigger and harder. And for me to feel, you know, and I can't talk about Christmas yet because, you know. Whole nother deal. It's a whole nother deal. But. Well, especially with Corey too. Yeah. So anyway. It's, You'll hear more about that as the episode comes closer to Christmas. <laughs> There's definitely we'll some things start talking that about Christmas, yeah. Corey definitely was the only child who participated in some things, but we'll talk yeah. about that later. Yeah, so David is the therapist, and I am the mom who has come a long way in a very important journey. And my guess is that many of you who are listening are on the same journey um, different circumstances, but I have this feeling that we're journeying together. So 
anyway, thanks for being here. Well, I'd even throw my name in the hat there too, because I don't want it to be understated. Like you're the only one who's grown from all these episodes. <laughs> well, <laughs> what about I get, me? Like, <laughs> you're just—it's you were perfect to begin with, yeah, David. Oh uh, yeah, so perfect. <laughs> yeah, that's anyone that knows me. All my friends say, "Yeah, that describes David perfect." <laughs> I think my imperfections is kind of like my—that's like my secret superpower <laughs> in, in, in this. It's like I'm not a therapist, like. You just wouldn't meet me and think, oh, that guy's- Okay, so how have other. you grown? Um, immensely, because in this time, I don't know how how many episodes has it been now? We we tried to estimate the oh, other day. It's like- Yeah, we count all the DMs and all the episodes, close to 120 episodes. Um, it's I'm looking back on it. I've gone through a lot since this podcast has started. Um, when it first started, I just lost my father, and then this past year, I lost my mom- um, and just getting to talk about all these stories of past clients and experiences and tools, it's really helped me out a lot because a lot of times I just store this stuff in the back of my mind and I go home and I would have died with it and not have ever shared it. And so it's helped me grow a lot to know that some of the things that I've experienced and I've learned working with families and other families trusting me, I throw that out there on the podcast to Heidi, to you guys. And then your guys' feedback comes back. It's like, oh, wow, that's helpful to you too. And I've never even met you. So it really, let's put this out there to you listeners. Regardless of what job you have, whatever profession you're in, I think it's safe to say that sometimes it's really hard for us to find new motivation, inspiration, especially if you're in any sort of leadership role. And I'm, I use that term loosely, you know, because, you know, if, if you're a stay-at-home mom, you're definitely the leadership role. <laughs> right. Whether you want to be a leader or not, they're looking at you like, what do we do? And any sort of leadership role, man, it's hard because leaders, they're always putting their energy out, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's, you know, it's... I, I and leaders very, sometimes are so busy that they yeah, don't do the work on themselves. Yeah, exactly. Like you you put so much out, well... In the time that we've been doing the podcast, we'll do a podcast and and almost every single of the podcasts I'll go back and listen to. I might have missed one or two, but I've listened to all the podcasts. As I'm listening to it. I try to put myself in the listener's perspective and I start to think about it. And it helps me step up my game because I got to be living these things that I'm talking to you guys about. There's been plenty of times we'll have an episode and I'll go home or I'll be working in a situation. And my instincts tells me not to do the things I'm telling you guys to do. My instincts are telling me to do the complete opposite. And then I get the painful reminder, hey, bro, like you just told people to do it this way. And now you're being a complete idiot because you're shaming your kids. You're saying, and I've stopped myself. I've corrected myself in other times where I would have been like, you know, I'm allowed to be, you know, grumpy for this week. Ding, dang it. Well, doing this podcast, it kind of robs all my excuses of being a jerk or being irritable or grumpy because <laughs> I feel so good. And I feel so thankful that I'm helping you guys, but also you guys are helping me remember I can't be a hypocrite. I got to take my, I got to drink, I got to drink my own drink. You know, I can't just yeah. expect everybody else to eat the food I prepare, but I won't eat it, you know? Well, I have to, I'm going to say this to you in the kindest, really good partner, right, podcast go. partner Here way. Here we go. You know, um, a couple months ago, David got a new suit, new shoes. New haircut and stepped onto a really big stage, and and the guy who stepped up there on that stage was not the guy that I met f almost five years ago. And, and that's, that's a compliment. And it's okay. <laughs> and so it it is 
the evolution in you has been you really taking on a, a mantle. And I know that's kind of that's kind of a lot to say, but to to see well, you. I don't want to be anyone's life coach or like tell how to run <laughs> I know life. <laughs> but you, I feel like you um, decided to amp. So, you know, I've always said this, that my goal with this podcast is to amplify David's message because I knew he was spending all day, every day in in a small office with one person at a time. And I was like, wait, more people need to hear this. And, you know, I can do my part. But also you sort of needed to step up and, and decide to to hold your torch up, you, you know, and, and you did that. and And I know you did the work so you could do that. Well, so. thank you, thank you. Well, we, I'm glad. Well, thanks to you guys, listeners, for if you didn't keep on listening, we wouldn't have been able to have all the <laughs> self discovery and, and professional help. You know, I'm 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 a professional helping myself for free. You're, yes, <laughs> and and me for free because just so you know, I don't pay David to, I don't pay him to come here. I should. Well, that's what part of the podcast was <laughs> is taking all those. 30 texts throughout the day and just putting it into one conversation. <laughs> so we just get it out the way. It's like, let's schedule the random, hey, I got a question for you. So I got this friend. By the way, this right. friend, I told him you'd see them tomorrow. <laughs> right. I'm like, tomorrow? Yeah, David, just so you guys know, any of you who are listening, David has said that I'm not allowed to ever refer anybody else. No, I'm My saying, lifetime you have referrals. to pay me for referrals. <laughs> oh, yeah. Normally you pay someone that gives you referrals. She's got to pay me for referrals. <laughs> My lifetime referral punch card is full you hit your quota <laughs> you hit your quota no they've all been great people i'm glad to have met uh, well speaking okay. speaking about our evolution um i had mentioned last week that heidi had um had an, an event that she went and spoke to and so i wanted her to share that today um excuse me i want to share that tonight because it also leads into our own evolution right uh, uh-huh. Heidi's evolution uh-huh. and excuse me well, let's and so, but before we do that, just want to remind you guys out there, um, our loyal listeners have known one thing ever since we took on this new sponsorship with teen, um, counseling.com. Uh, it's, it's been a great experience for us because as you guys know, finding a counselor or therapist to meet your needs, your teenager's needs, when you have some difficult life struggles going on, <laughs> there's some challenges in the home or just the communications off. That's a really hard thing to to find when you're in the middle of a difficult situation. Well, teencounseling.com, we're happy to be partnered with them because they have shortcutted that. They've made it so much easier for you to get effective therapy counseling by licensed trained professional that's suited for your child's needs, characteristics, personality traits. And you don't have to try to look for that person in your own local environment, which has been one of the biggest challenges for people getting good teenage counselors. There's just not enough counselors that have licensed that are licensed to counsel for the need of teenagers that we have out there. The need for teenagers is growing faster than we can get people into graduate school, get them out of graduate school. And they're the only people really qualified to be able to do this type of work. So um, at least at this particular time and have your insurance pay for it at least. Well, and if any of you have teenagers, you know that they have these crazy schedules. Yeah. That just don't align with. Yeah. And you were the one who set up their crazy schedule. So, <laughs> so, so it makes it more convenient. Yeah. Teencounseling.com. Just go to the website. Make sure you use teencounseling.com backslash LTF. They will give you a 10% discount on your very first month of counseling. Guys, they'll get you someone set up with you right away. Make sure you match up with the right person. And if by some 
for some unforeseeable reason, you need to switch counselors. It just wasn't a good fix. They've made that so easy for you. Unlike in a normal situation where you get to drive all around, make a bunch of phone calls. No, they'll get you set up with someone that is the perfect fit for you. Teencounseling.com backslash LTF. And also, too, want to give a big shout out to 1-800-CONTACTS for being our community sponsor, support person, people, and just overall people we love here at the podcast. So thanks to them for all their support. So we're able to bring this podcast to you and for all the great work they do, not just for their customers, but also for all their associates that work for the company. It's one of the best places you could possibly ever imagine working for. Heidi has been denied employment from them multiple times. She's still trying. She's still trying. I just keep She's trying, trying to figure to out apply. a way that 1-800-needs-to-craft- I, they have Something, to have a scrapbooking department. The scrap it. Well, you know, <laughs> if anyone's going to make it happen, it's you. So thank you to 1-800-CONTACTS. And so Heidi, I want to get back to listening to a little bit about, you know, where you're at last week, what you did and, and what thoughts, basically some conversations that came up with yeah. some of the parents and, and how you were able to relate to that. And, you know, we'll take it from there. Um. So I, I'm going to preface what I want to say with, well, I'll just start out. So last week I went and spoke with some parents in a parent discussion group at Encircle House. Um, Explain. So Encircle House, and I like I don't have like an official brochure brochure here. So you're gonna they're gonna have to everyone's gonna have to forgive me. But Encircle is a, an organization, nonprofit organization that was created to support LGBT youth. And um I think and I think it's a Utah thing. Um so there's a For an now. encircle yeah, 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 yeah. So there's an encircle house in Orem and an encircle house in Salt Lake. And it's amazing. Um I will say that I was invited to come to speak a, about a year ago. And um the LGBT space is not a. It I had I just had not been in that space at all, and I felt like I needed to learn and have some personal growth before I went in and spoke to them. Um, and you know, obviously, obviously they were coming to me because um, I had lost a son to suicide and. Unfortunately, um, the suicide rate in the LGBT youth community is Much is high, higher. is higher than the average population. And um, the thing that I didn't want to go in there at all and assume that I knew their their situation, like it, it's just a different situation, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, pain is pain, and parenting is parenting, and and suicide is suicide. Um, but for whatever reason, I felt very intimidated. Um, so I actually set a goal for myself. Um, and this was, this is an actual written down goal for me last year or in 2019 was to learn more and figure out like, how I fit in, how I felt about the LGBT community and how I could help. Um, but I needed to do some work personally um, 
just to learn. And and so I started I started listening to a podcast. Um, I can't even remember actually. Oh, I can remember how I I learned about it. Um, I so there's a podcast. It's called Listen, Learn, and Love, and it's hosted by a, a man named Richard Osler. And in our community, and I'm, you probably know that I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And um, this podcast is kind of about this issue within the church, within the church. And um, there's obviously years of strife, (laughs) you know, struggle. This is, it's a tough topic. And um, that I think to me has escalated the situation here in Utah. It escalated the situation with me personally. I just, I just hadn't arrived to how I felt yet, yet, yet. So um, I started listening to this podcast. I started to talk about it to people who were gay, who children who were gay. And um, so when the opportunity came up almost a year later for me to, to go to Encircle, um, I was still nervous <laughs> to go. I didn't know what to expect. I'd never been to the Encircle house. I'd go down there. And um, the I, I was told I was a group uh, a guest speaker, and they have a parent connection night there once a week. The house is this beautiful renovated home. And I wasn't like, I wasn't sure if like kids lived there or I, I didn't know what it was because they call it a house, you know. It's the most beautifully decorated thing. Um, it's got this beautiful kitchen. They have food going every single day, cookies going every single day. And anyone is welcome. Um, in in this LGBT community, and it's a place for them to come and to eat and to sit and to be. Um, and then they have an art studio, and they have a music room, and they have a library, and they have um, therapists that work there. And so, the kids who want to get therapy, um, they get interviewed, and the therapy is not free. Um, some of them can qualify for scholarships and there's different plans or ways that they get this paid for. But everything in the house is done to support this community. Um, there are good vibes in that house. It makes me feel a little emotional. Just the way that I was treated. Um, I felt nervous because... I, I don't know what it feels like. I'm, I, I feel like an outsider of this community. I felt, I felt like an outsider of this community. Like, I don't know your pain and I don't know if I can relate. And I felt super awkward. I didn't know if I was going to use the right words or (laughs) I was, I think I was psyching myself out. Um, so I got there about a half an hour early, which if you know me, it is the most out of character (laughs) thing ever on the planet. And so then I just felt freaking awkward. And then I learned this is why I go late to things because I don't want to feel awkward. It's easier to just get get in there when things are rolling, right? You have no time to like like have to feel awkward, whatever. (laughs) Um, 
immediately when I met these parents, um, they were just so kind, so open, so thankful that I was there. And I was like, I haven't even done anything. Um, not long after I got there, the house filled with kids and they're eating and laughing. And in fact, we had to like go up to a different room because the kids were so loud. Um, just laughing. And anyway, it was really cool. Um, so I, I had the opportunity, I have a little, a presentation that I give and, um, the topic that I was going to share was how to better connect with your kids, um, how to facilitate greater connection. And, um, Immediately, I knew that these parents that were sitting there in that room, I was preaching to the choir. These are parents who are jumping through fire for their kids. And um, it was beautiful for me to listen to them. You know, so it, it really turned into a discussion, a conversation. It was not me speaking. I think I got into like four of my slides or something. Um, they wanted to hear my story and they wanted to ask me questions about Corey and about him. And we talked about, um, we talked about how much we love our kids. And there, you know, there's no difference there, right? There's no, there's no difference there. And, um, I was so impressed. Um, all the, all the parents that, that were, that were there and, and it was a small group, um, had different levels of, you know, they had to do, they've had to do some work. Obviously they've had to do some learning and some growing and, The husband, wife, spouse relationship can be difficult um, when, I don't know if you listeners have ever had a conflict with a child and have it actually create the worst conflict you've ever had in your life with your spouse. <laughs> um, because you, you as parents aren't on the same page of how to handle the situation with the child. And it absolutely just rips your, your marriage, your relationship in half. I'm sure you see that all the time. Um, the thing that, the thing that was the most interesting to, to me, the, the takeaway that I got from this super amazing conversation where I felt so much empathy and so much love and so much acceptance and such beautiful love. Um, those parents taught me that you should, that all of us as parents, we should always treat our children and our children's friends and anybody we know as if they were a closeted LGBT person. And at first when that 
notion came up. I I just wasn't really sure what what that meant. Um, and as we got talking, that's what I want to talk about today. Um, if we as adults can get into a place where we are sensitive enough and aware enough and intentional enough in our relationships. And, and, and I think we could substitute anything like treat the people that we love like they have depression, like they could have depression, anxiety, like they are closeted, like they have suicidal thoughts, like they're being bullied, like, like they have an addiction or because there is this extra fluffy layer of sensitivity and I shouldn't say fluffy, but if we can create this layer of sensitivity that we can offer before our fear and before our anger and before our judgment That is what is putting the relationship first, I think. And I, I just loved that. It, it really spoke to me. Um, as I, as I got there, and I, and I was saying, you know, I, I don't have an, an LGBT child, and, and all of them almost at the same time kind of said that you know of, you, you know, like. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure at some point they all said something similar, right? Something similar, right. Yeah. And, and I think that as a parent of a, of a suicide child, I kind of have that same thing. Like, I didn't think Corey was there either. Yeah. And um, what would I have... And you're obviously not making comparison to suicide and, no, and no. being LGBTQ. Thank you. Thank you. I'm what not. You're, what you're doing is you're using the example of how... You could relate in your circumstance with having a son that passed away from suicide, but they can also relate in the sense that they're fearful and worried that if their child is not able to express themselves, isn't able to come out, isn't able to get the support from the parents, that that could drastically, as we've seen in statistics, increase the probability that they would be depressed or they would have struggles with addictions or that they would um, you know, be suicidal because that's how it is for any human being that can't express themselves, that isn't supported. Fundamentally, we just don't know what's yeah. going on with other people yeah. inside. Um, interestingly enough... <laughs> And and I'm gonna and I want to share kind of a personal story. Um, we have a a very close friend of our one of my of my boys. He, been a super close friend of our boys for years and years and years. Like he's this individual is like family to me. I I love him. I'm like family. He's been there for our family a lot. And um, right before, two days maybe before um, I went and visited with this this group in Circle, um, this individual came out to my son, and and then l- later to me, and since has come out 
openly on social media. And, you know, this notion that, that you know of, you don't, you know, you can say, I, I, I don't know anybody, or I don't have a f- friend or a family member, a neighbor who's LGBT that I know of, <laughs> um, comes into play. And as I sat with this individual who I love, and no matter what, um, I'll tell you what I was thankful for. I was thankful that I started one year ago doing the work in my own heart, inside myself, to figure out how I felt and to learn how people felt and how to talk about it and how to be an an ally. And even though like I hadn't really flexed that muscle, I hadn't really tried it yet. When he shared with me the pain that he has felt as he's battled this not wanting to be gay, trying to not be gay, trying everything, not wanting to let people down, not wanting to let his family down. My heart just broke as I listened to the the pain. And um, I was so glad that I could that I could receive him as he is. Because what I will tell you is that four years ago, that the Heidi, five years ago, Heidi, I just, I, I just wasn't the same. I wasn't quite as understanding or tolerant or interested in learning or willing to evolve or ask questions or look into it myself or connect. You'd be more likely to avoid things that made you feel that uncomfortable. Yes. Just, I mean, I would still love yeah, him. I, I, I was never just, mad or mean. But you where to start from. Or, yeah. Um, I think that the emphasis that I want to make today is that this doesn't happen automatically. For whatever, whatever that truth is that may be beneath the surface, that might be hard that may be causing someone that you love shame for whatever reason. And I, and I don't, I do not want to compare being LGBT with having an addiction or struggling with depression, you know, you know, like I'm not comparing those, but what I'm saying, and, and I appreciate your clarification that, that, whatever it is that you're dealing with that is hard and shameful and preventing you from being real with people because you're afraid of how they're going to respond to you. Even if it's not shameful to you, if you feel like it's (laughs) it's shameful to other people and they can't handle that. Right. Yeah. Um, That's a place that we 
can do the work. Like that, that's not just going to be automatic acceptance. We actually have to work and have an intention to change what our face looks like, what our body language looks like, what our vocabulary is. To, to back up that evolution, you know, you know, yeah. to 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 show the evidence. I think naturally there's a lot of resistance to things that we don't understand because our brain knows that we'd have to put in work to understand it, and there's so many only so many things we can put on our radar, right. only so I many agree. walks we can support, only so many charities we can donate to. You know, people are more often going to be a part of a community or a space. <laughs> Or marginalized, like supporting a marginalized group, helping that group become, you know, you know, be an ally and those different types of things of things that they have personal experience with mm-hmm. that they've been, you know, you, know, you lost <clears throat> your son to suicide and you see there's a huge community of people who have also had similar pain and loss or f- had those, you know, close calls where it unifies everybody, puts everybody together. In other circumstances, those people may have completely different walks of life, right. have nothing in common politically, have nothing in common religiously, but it doesn't matter. It, it really doesn't true. matter at all. It's like, true. I mean, those are, it bonds you. Those are just kind of choices. Those aren't life experiences that bond you. When you have a, a shared life experience, there's, you know, I like to say a purposeful struggle. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going through a struggle and if you can find some sort of purpose to it, meaning like you can create a movement or you can be a part of something that's helping relieve other people's struggle in that community, well, then now there's a purpose to it. Now you found like, all right, this is my thing. Like I can I can really be all in to, because I relate. I can feel what these mm-hmm. people are feeling. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, four years ago, you, you had no experience. Like, you know, it, well, of course it was hard for you to wrap your head around something that you had very little experience. When I say none, like very little experience or exposure to in person in personal situations. But I often, I, I think it's, I think it's, it's such a, it's interesting because I can count and remember in many different jobs I had throughout the years where someone would specifically say, that they did not like someone of a certain ethnic group. And then someone that ethnic group, either myself or someone in, in the circle right there, be like, well, hey, I'm of that ethnic group. And they would look and they go, oh, well, you're just Bob. Or you're like, you don't really count. Like, yeah, you're my friend. And I always thought that was really interesting how someone that we knew intimately, someone that we worked with, we depended on them, they p- depended on us. We wouldn't really categorize them as those stereotypes we're not fearful of them they're not a mystery to us they're a known not an unknown and how it's easy for us to think well like for example a group like lgbtq i know some people have very strong feelings against uh someone being gay and that you know it's it's totally their choice and they're choosing to do this and like some people have really strong feelings against that now that same person Having their own child, you know, if they had their own child that was gay or lesbian, what have you, or maybe a best friend's child or someone really close to them, as much as they think they have a strong stand on something, as much as they think that they know as much as they need to know and they have no more curiosity to learn more, to better understand it, when it happens to someone that, or when it, someone close to you that is going through that or is dealing with being, you know, marginalized or, you know, being mistreated or struggling because of that, you see the injustice. You see the hypocrisy. 
And something inside of you starts to light a little spark. Mm-hmm. And then as it spark starts to grow, then you see it, then you start, your eyes start to noticing, hmm, let's, let's see what else is going on out there. Is, is this a real, like, is it really as bad as these people are saying it is? And then we start to open our eyes. We start to become, you know, we start to, people say, you know, we start to wake up to these things. And then all of a sudden we're going, oh my gosh, it's happening all like, how did I not know? We were in a different chamber. We we're in a different bubble. We were doing a mm-hmm. different thing. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait a second. I had this thing going around me. Now I have to make up for lost time that I was naive. And a lot of times when we go through those situations, I know myself, I'm mad that I didn't know more. Like, mm-hmm. how come I was so naive to think that all oh, these people are fine? It's okay. And so I feel very thankful being a therapist that I have all these different wide variety of ethnicities, social classes, you know, sexual orientation, like all these different communities to experience their hurt and pain from. So I'm like, oh, even though it's not the same as mine, I can definitely see why they're so pissed off, why they're so hurt, why they're so sad, why they're so angry and why they're so like, you know, purposeful. Like I have some friends that I follow on social media that are huge crusaders for the LGBTQ community. I get it. I get it. I I know some people, they're like, whoa, like they're a little intense. You know, some people in their own community is like, hey, you know, if you bark too loud, they're going to cause problems for us. But everybody has their own way of doing it. Some people need to scream from the rooftop mm-hmm. and say, listen, this is mm-hmm. not right. And then other people need to write grants about it and right. raise money. Like everybody's going to have a different purpose in there. So it, when you came back and we talked about that, I was, I was so happy to have you have that experience. And then coupled with the experience of, you know, like basically like another son to you and being able to relate to this young man's hurt and pain. It's, you know, what he's been holding on to is no different than my son's insecurities about not being good enough and his depression and those struggles that he was having. And so in that sense, that awakens inside of you this, okay, I need to do what I can do. I need to use my influence and do whatever I can do. And I know it's still early in that. You don't even know how that looks, but I think you're starting off in the right place by going there. Because when you said you're going to go talk to them at Encircle, I smiled. Because, you know, that's that's usually my <laughs> thing that I do, right? Because I've been over to Encircle. Stephanie, you know, I interviewed her one time and she's become a friend of mine and we have mutual friends and stuff. And, and I've worked with so many LGBTQ kids and families. I was like, you know, I just kind of smiled. I'm like, she's gonna, she's gonna enjoy this one. And I knew, oh, I man. knew what was gonna happen. I in just the loved sense, it. I didn't know the stories, but I knew that you'd feel the love. So I haven't been in the Salt Lake house, but going down to the Provo house, and Stephanie gave me a big tour down there and hung out. Just, I just hung out. I just wanted to sit around on the couch and just talk to kids I'm like, coming and I'm going. I'm like gonna go do an art night down there, and right? Stuff. Like, yeah, and just so do cool. like a creative night and just hang out, talking. I'm like, all right, this is the spot because what In Circle really is, it's a safe community outreach resource for these kids and these families. Because we're just trying to navigate this. I mean, if you think about it, the support that the LGBTQ community has been given in these recent years, it's new. Like this isn't like some old thing. Yeah. If they if they'd gotten the support for the past fifty years, we wouldn't be having these discussions right now. Right. And same thing with in and I'm I'm not comparing it, making, you know, an associate like it's similar in the sense. Same thing with mental health and with suicide. It's not like mental health is new. Mm. Like poor mental health. It's not like suicide just started happening in recent years. No, we're we're not naive to it anymore. We're not in the dark anymore. People are being are, are hurting in well, these different categories. And I like what you said. And I want to come on something. Sorry. Go ahead. But no, go ahead. Something when you said like the parents said like you know talk to you know you know your your child or people around you as if they're in the closet like they haven't come out. 
You guys, I can't tell you how many times I've had teenagers confess to me in, in our private counseling sessions. These are the, these, there's three main topics that they'll usually confess to me that they hear, by the way, that they hear their parents or family members criticizing and having harsh judgmental opinions on while they're in the room, while they're talking. One is politics. Okay. Kids hear their parents say some some things that they probably wouldn't say outside in a town hall meeting, to whether they're left, right, whatever. Time. Right, right, right. Some pretty extreme things. Okay. Second one is religion. Okay. And the other one, it, it can kind of fall under religion at times, but is, you know, sexual orientation. And with religion, I I, I kind of say like anything that's n- usually not accepted by religion, like, you know, um, you know, LGBTQ addiction, you know, that types of, those types of stuff. What happens is we have conversations when I say we, I'm not including everybody, but these teenagers come to me and say they overheard their parents and then, or their parents talking to a friend or their aunt talking to an uncle. Or they're just hearing it at church. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But But let's talk about the more intimate relationships. Okay. These are people that they looked up to or that they do look up to. These are people that they've tried to get their acceptance. They've tried to get to impress their mom, their dad, their uncle, people that they have followed their example in many different ways, even though they're not perfect people. Then when they hear these people share something that's so contradictory to their own personal experiences, like for example, talking about a gay person, you know, I've, I've had kids say, Hey, listen, I heard my uncle, my parent say all this stuff about gay people when my best friend's gay, or I, you know, I have those thoughts and feelings myself. Unfortunately, before the parent really gets to share their full spectrum of life experiences, not just a petty like little criticism or like saying something super stereotypical or something mean or hurtful. What I hear these parents saying is very similar to when I hear people talk about mental health in that way, talking about the LGBTQ community in that way. I think those are the two that I think that it bears to be discussed right now. Oh, racial, I, racial things. Yeah, sometimes. racial. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah race. I, I forgot to leave that one out. I mean, I've, I, I left that one out. So when they hear their parents say a racial slur, uh, something against someone in the LGBTQ community, just broad blanket statements, this new generation is like, wait, what, what, what was that? Because it's not these old days where people just had dinner discussions being racist. When I say being racist, they may not be a racist, but they're talking like they're racist. And right. I know because my own dad said stuff like that growing up. Right. You hear his background story, how much he was jumped by people of different ethnicities. He was raised in a ghetto poor area in New Jersey. Okay, it gets makes sense. But in today's world, it is shocking. Shocking to hear someone that you think this person's respectful, they're a good person, you know, blah, blah, blah. They have this harsh opinion on something that... Wow, I have a friend. And so when these kids come and tell me this, then they go out to the outside world. What they tell me ultimately is they've lost trust. They've lost faith in the people they're supposed to follow. I hear the same discussions about people saying they lose faith in their faith, Uh in their religion. And that's a difficult thing to lose or to feel like you're losing because no one wants to choose their family over their friends. No one wants to choose, you know, friends over religion. But when you see something that doesn't just make sense to you, when you see something that is actually wrong in your opinion, maybe it does make sense. You're like, hey, this is bad that we're right. talking this way. It's really hard not to say something. And if you don't say something, it's hard not to hold that as a as like, you know what? 
I'm losing trust in this person now. Now I'm doubting them because in these other areas, they're saying, hey, let's be open-minded. Let's be accepting and loving, but then behind closed doors. So it's really hard to know what to feel, what to think about. So that advice that those parents gave is so important because I have parents on different ends of the spectrum. Some parents that are telling, they use language, safe spaces and all these things that are, it's great that they're saying that, but they use language that has been stigmatized by other people saying, oh, as soon as you hear them start saying that safe stuff, they're like, oh, that's too much. Like They want us to protect everybody and coddle everyone. Well, those people are have a tendency to be too harsh. Okay, mm-hmm. I, I don't really see a lot of benefit in, in being overly protective. And I don't see a benefit in being overly shameful, right? I see a benefit in better conversation. Conversation, that's what these parents are really telling you. They're saying, if you're going to talk about something like the LGBTQ community, even if you have some strong opinions about it, you wouldn't say those strong opinions about it in front of your best friend's kid if your best friend's kid was gay. Mm -hmm. It's just like in business. You may not like all the customers, but you don't tell them you don't like them. <laughs> you don't You don't just be rude to people because you're in a bad mood. You put it in check because it doesn't matter. It's just your mood. It's just your opinion. It's just harsh words that just could be left out. And so when these parents are saying, be mindful of your words, I don't think by any stretch they're saying, let's put bubble wrap around these kids so that right. nothing can ever hurt them. No, right. they've been hurt enough already. They're, they're, skin- they're hurting. Yeah, they're hurting. Exactly. But what they are saying is you as an adult have so much more influence over these kids than you even realize. If you are the the bishop of the church, but you make a comment very open-ended, very understanding, say, listen, I have friends that are in the LGBTQ community. I have love and I have respect for that. These are things that also need to be heard. I think sometimes we feel the need that we have to make bullet points, like strong stances on a subject the better thing is to help people have conversations, to help your kids talk about, if you talk really strongly against depression and you say, you know, people are depressed, I don't get, they just, you just need to get up and go to work and you need to work out, you do these things and just get over it, it'll be fine. Well, then obviously someone who's depressed around you is going to have a hard time talking about that in the future. So whether it's race, specifically the LGBTQ community, sexual orientation, all these really difficult subjects, speak about them as if there is someone that you love that has that or potentially could have that. I tell you what, you will save yourself from so much criticism from your loved ones, so much doubt from them, but you'll also open up the potential for having conversations where they can teach you. Because as adults, if we close off the, the opportunity for the youth to, in, to inspire us, to motivate us, to teach us, then we really forgot why we're leading them in the first place. Right. And, and I want to just interject one thing, because this is something that has come up several times in this process, is that our kids' age, the teenagers out there, a lot of them don't look at gay people and, and think, oh my gosh, what's wrong with you? A lot of them know people, accept them, don't care, like what's the big deal? Kind you know, kind of thing. And so and Even so if we they're not used to it. It's not like they haven't seen it before. Well, so then when we are the parents are like having these really strong stances against it, I think that what I keep hearing is that we actually gain our children's respect when we respect the, which is, I think, what you're what you're saying. Um, when when we show respect to some of these marginalized groups, 
like LGBT, if we were to say, you know what, I just want you guys to know that this is a group of people who are hurting and I don't want to add to this pain. And I consider myself an ally. I th- that the young generation, these the kids see you as somebody that, that they can trust too. Because if you're going to be an ally to the LGBT, then you're also an ally to other hard things. Y- you know, um, I think that I... I also had another conversation with an individual that I'm actually really good friends with. And we started talking about the podcast and I was sharing some of our conversations. And this is a person who has not even had a child step one iota out of line in any way, shape, or form. And It was hurtful for me to hear some of the things that she said about things that I deal with (laughs) and and her stance on them. And I love her. I love her. She's a friend of mine. Bless her heart. Bless her heart. (laughs) And I came away and I felt super triggered. Like, I I know I don't like to use the word because you don't like – like use the word, but I I came away like. Well, if you know anything about me, I don't like any words that are used all the time. <laughs> I know, so I was trying. I felt activated. Yeah. No, I came out of there feeling attacked. Yeah, is how I felt after this conversation. And as I was driving, I just thought, you know, she has the luxury of not needing to explore any of these other feelings and thoughts and She has the luxury responses. to have a, 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 an opinion on it. Throw that opinion out there and walk away. It's, it's, she's not tied to it. There's no, there's no, there's nothing really like holding her to that. It's just an idea. It's just a thought. Right. Yeah. I want to say, if you're listening to the sound of my voice, stop with these luxurious thoughts that you don't need to consider the hurt and the pain and that adding the the burden to this this luxurious thought that you're right this luxurious thought that your way is the best way this well it's it i i mean i think most people have had to some degree it's it's hard to hear someone have a strong opinion about something that they have never lifted right. they've never dealt with themselves right. And that's, you know, it's very adolescent at times where, you know, your adolescents are like, oh, you know, I'm totally for or against this one thing. That's really, you know, it's not even like a big important thing like suicide or LGBT, just like some random thing. You're like, okay. You know, and then next week, completely different opinion on the same thing. It's like, you know, it's, yeah. But, I you know, sometimes we just got to like give them a pass, whatever. I, I, I do like, um, you know, that you're having these experiences that you're broadening, you know, all these opportunities because before your son had passed away, I mean, think about it. Your son passing away gave you the opportunity to be invited into these types of places. Mm-hmm. These types of places, they don't benefit from only having strict LGBTQ people come talk to them. They're trying to do the same thing that we're trying to do. How do you get allies with people if everyone ha- like has to be like <laughs> as angry as you are? Right? <laughs> right. Like, how could how could someone that's actually lived the personal life struggle of someone in the LGBTQ community. Maybe they've been gay their whole entire life and they finally came out. 
How could that person possibly upload every ounce of struggle they felt from that experience to us and for us to sh have the exact same one? There's not possible. But if we can relate to their experience and they can say it in a way that we are like, whoa, because in, in a close relationship, you'll, you'll listen to someone and the story's different versus someone that you're like, mm -hmm, so why do you feel this way? Like someone that you're, right. you like need them to defend their standpoint. But if you have a good right. conversation with someone, right. next thing you know, you're like, wow, I had no idea. So now you're taking on their experiences. You're feeling them for a moment. They still have to deal with theirs and you still go back to your life. But that right there, that's what moves the needle. That's what opens people's oh, one, minds 100%. so much more. But think about it. You can't really get to those deep conversations unless there's some sort of relatability or trust. There's got to be enough trust that a person like, for example, that's in the LGBTQ community even trusts you, that you would be able to handle this. So that's what all those parents are trying to tell us. Be a person that you're constantly speaking and talking in a way that you're throwing breadcrumbs out there saying, hey, you can come to talk to me about this. You can share things with me. So often I have young people that want to use, that use me or use another family member to help them come out to their parents. Mm -hmm. It's so wise because they're, they're heat checks. They're just checking, okay, who's warm <laughs> to help me with this? And as soon as they find those people, those people can help them deliver the message in a much better way because it is, I, I would imagine how scary that would have to be, oh, yeah. especially when you're young. <clears throat> when and you're young and it's easy for older people to dismiss it. I remember this one gentleman in his like late thirties. He said, yeah, I've, I've been coming out to my family ever since I was 19. They, no, you're not. No, you're not. I mean, boyfriend after boyfriend <laughs> after boyfriend. And then finally in his thirties, they're just kind of like, oh, you are. He's like, what take you so long? He's like, well, I don't know. We just, we just kind of forgot about it. And we just figured you are now. I was like, and he was like, that was the most disappointing come out story ever. <laughs> he's like, some people come out, they have these great, he's like, I'd rather them have hated me <laughs> or have like supported me. But it was this weird vague in the middle. And then some, one day they just go, oh, we just kind of eventually figured it out. I was like, well, thanks for letting me know that you weren't judging me anymore. And you accepted that I was gay. <laughs> I know that those parents have experience that we can all learn from. Uh -huh. I tell all my parents the same thing. Doesn't matter what the subject is. Talk about it. Well, it's a very touchy subject. Talk about it as if there are people in the room that you love and you care about that have personal experience or struggles with that thing. Yeah, yeah. Because it's just going to change the conversation. You won't get yourself stuck in some mud where now you're backpedaling. Now you're trying to prove that you're not racist, a bigot, or whatever it is versus just having a good conversation yeah. with someone. Well, I, I'm and just... by the way... Go ahead. I almost forgot to tell you guys. When you can relate, it kills the hate. It, it is so When true. you can relate to someone on something, even like this young man, you love him. And if this is who he is, which obviously it is, then now you love, there's more of him to love, right? And so in that experience, now you go out to the world having your eyes completely open and see it differently, and the world's a better place because of that. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like I, I drove away from Encircle last weekend, last week, feeling so uplifted and so much compassion and empathy. And I, I don't know. I loved it. I loved it. I think that the connection was so strong. And, um, and that's what real connection is. When we talk about the things that are hard and we share it, um, that burden gets shared, you know, it, it gets put out there and everybody gets to be part of carrying it. And so um, 
you know, we can't, we can't gain opinions and learn things by, without talking to actual people with these actual experiences. And so um, that's just really been helpful to me. Um, And I'm, I'm just feeling really thankful for that. So I think that my encouragement to all of you, to everybody listening is to start to reach out, reach outside yourself and start proactively looking for ways that you can grow your sensitivity in an organic way by having conversations and like, don't expect yourself to change overnight. I think for me, losing Corey in the way that we did, it was a full shatter of me as a mom, full shatter. And as I pick up these pieces and try to put them back together into what I think and feel, I don't have a choice but to look at every one of these pieces that I pick up and I don't have a choice but to have to gather this slowly and reconstruct. But there's a lot of people that are that do have the choice, right? That haven't been put in this place where you have the full shatter. I almost think it's harder when you don't have the full shatter to want to change or to invest in change. Um, I think right now, I'm never going to say that I'm thankful that Corey's gone. I'm never going to feel grateful for that. But I'm really thankful for what I've learned. Amen to that. Definitely thankful for the opportunities. Yeah. Specifically this podcast being one of them. Yeah. Well, I think we'll wrap it up and leave it there for you guys. Um, Over the holiday season, you know, since we're on the topic, if you have a loved one that um, struggles with mental health in any way, shape, or form that you're aware of, depression, anxiety, anything like that, or if they've gone through enough in their life where they probably (laughs) have had those struggles... And especially if you have loved ones or people you know of that are of the LGBTQ community, um, do, you know, if the moment provides an opportunity, sometimes these things you want to, you know, you want to have an intention to go out and do it, but sometimes you got to pick and choose the right moment. <laughs> you you don't want to make sure it's, you know, it's, it's a close, intimate moment. Just go up to that person and let them know. Say, listen, you're thankful that you've known them. The experiences of knowing them has helped you understand more about especially if it's something that they're open about depression or if, you know, if they're openly gay, like this helped you out a lot and you look forward to learning more from them. And as that conversation goes on, you could even add in there, say, man, is there, I don't know, is, is there something that, that you think would be helpful for me to know from your experiences um, that could help me just make more people feel comfortable around me? And even if they don't have anything off the top of their head, just think about it, shoot me a text sometimes. I'm just trying to get to that place where, I have more reasons for people to feel comfortable around me than for them to not feel comfortable around mm-hmm. 
Because mm-hmm. that's how allies, that's how friends, that's how relationships are forged. Like, yeah, there's some things that might bring us together, like a job or a certain interest. But to get those real deep, close, connected relationships, you got to know that there's something there to relate upon in the first place. Something significant, something that really matters in life. I think about like, <laughs> you know, there's going to be a lot of family gatherings. And there's going to be a lot of people that are really not wanting to go because maybe they feel like they don't fit in or that they're not accepted or they don't belong. Um, Be that person that makes sure everybody knows they belong. Make them feel comfortable. Extend. Hey, we're glad that you're here. Yeah. Glad that you showed up. Don't ask them what their future plans are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If they're a young teenager in the senior year of high school, don't ask what their future plans are. Let them bring it up if they want it. That's another podcast. You guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for listening to us banter. Thank you for your emails and your DMs and your messages. Um, thank you for telling your friends and your family, your sisters, your coworkers about, about what we're doing here. And thank you forever for helping us to light the fight.